1: morning. It's Monday, September 7th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Happy Labor Day. If you're off today, I sure hope you are enjoying it. Today's episode is mostly going to feature 24-7 sports reporter Brandon Marcello and his one-on-one interview with Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott, who is is downright jubilant about the Pac-12's new partnership with a rapid point-of-care testing company out on the West Coast, which will allow all member institutions the ability to test daily for COVID-19. Could that mean that games begin much earlier than January? Will they be aligned with the Big Ten? We'll find out in just one moment. Before that, though, there is college football tonight, as there was this weekend. BYU at Navy on ESPN at 8 p.m. Eastern. Reese Davis and Kirk Street on the call that'll be fun. Uh, this game was put together just a few weeks ago it was one of those COVID-19 scheduling accomplishments and you know props to them. It, it should be a really close game. William Hill Sportsbook has it as a pick 'em. And what surprised me when I saw BYU and Navy like those two logos on paper, I thought, "Okay, similar histories and profiles as yesteryear powers These two teams, a national title claimed by each, three Heismans between them. Navy was also an independent all the way through the 2014 season. But they've only played twice ever, and not since 1989. I was expecting a little bit more of a game history between the Cougars and the Midshipmen. So, excited to watch that one. And as for Saturday's college football, it was... I mean it was college football. So, no complaints here at all, but the games were pretty sloppy and with a few exceptions lopsided. I thought the officiating was at times tough to tough to watch and tough to comprehend. Flags nearly on every play. It seemed like especially in the SMU Texas State game. I don't know if the electronic whistles are the answer. I think they're going to have to figure something out, but You know the the refereeing being bad, the games being sloppy, you know turnovers being frequent. That can't be surprising, given the off season that everybody has had. So let's run through three notable scores from Saturday: SMU thirty-one, Texas State twenty-four. I was shocked that Texas State kept it this close, and that was even without any tight ends who were all out because of COVID nineteen protocols. SMU quarterback Shane Buchel, we had him kind of on the podcast on Friday. He threw t- two interceptions among his 10 total incompletions, but he did rack up 367 yards and one touchdown. His counterpart was Brady McBride, the Memphis transfer who looked like Johnny Manziel light in former Aggie OC Jake Spavital's offense. McBride wore the number two, scrambled around like a madman, had to share of feast and famine. Plays. He actually threw two touchdowns to one interception. And when you add in the fumbles lost between the two teams, uh, including one in the end zone for SMU to kill a scoring drive, add those fumbles into the interception count, these teams combined for five turnovers. And that doesn't include the two fumbles that Texas State had and then recovered on its own. SMU is going to have to be a lot better if they're going to win the American. This was a, a point spread of 20-ish. It was a seven-point game. Texas State it looked at times in control, while SMU could never quite pull away. I expected more from the Mustangs. One more note on them. Their game this coming weekend with arch-rival TCU was postponed because of a COVID-19 outbreak among TCU. They say they'll try to replay it at a later date, but I doubt that because it's a non-conference game and neither team shares a bye week for SMU. It's pretty tough. They really would love to play TCU. They are seen as their little brother to TCU Shane Bouchelle, when he was on the podcast last week, talking about SMU having playoff hopes. Part of that was the opportunity to beat a big 12 school in TCU. And without that, that's just going to be even more difficult. So it's, it's a bummer because I really did think SMU TCU was going to be the best, one of the best games of next, next weekend. And for SMU, I understand there's a little bit of frustration there because they just had a game with no issues while their counterpart a power five school at that in the same Metroplex has an outbreak. So, you know, there's talk of what's going on there. If we're able to play, why can't they? All right, Memphis 37, Arkansas State 24. Memphis quarterback Brady White is your early Heisman front runner. Four touchdowns on 26 for 36 passing. The story of the game, though, was the play of Memphis running back Rodriguez Clark, uh, nickname is Drake. He had 105 yards on 20 carries with a touchdown. The Tigers don't have star running back Kenneth Gainwell. Anymore this season, he opted out. So the hope is that Clark and Kylan Watkins, who had 52 yards on 14 carries, can become the next great Memphis running backs to complement Brady White. All right, last score Army 42, Middle Tennessee State 0. Yep. The Black Knights had 66 plays on offense, so 66 plays total, and 62 of those were runs for a grand sum of 342 yards rushing 13 for 15 on third down attempts, a conversion of their only fourth down, try triple option clearly did not miss a beat during a wild preseason. And if that's any indication, then maybe Navy BYU tonight, if it's a pick Navy maybe roll, maybe roll with Navy because I, 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 that, that thing is just, it's wash, rinse, repeat. The players in the system, they know it pretty well. And if you're trying to defend it, again, after a weird offseason in which your, your your practices were probably marred by people sitting out and weird protocols, regardless, it's probably a pretty tough thing to defend coming out of a pandemic. And of course, Army's defense obviously pitched a shutout for takeaways while yielding 3.8 yards. Per play. Army has BYU and Cincinnati in the month of September. This could be a really fun team to watch. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, you're going to hear Brandon Marcello's interview with Pac 12 Commissioner Larry Scott. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the College Football Daily. We will talk to you Tuesday.
0: You know, the Big Ten and the Pac 12 have both received criticism from fans and usually. Uh, the critics are always the most vocal but you know a lot of the criticism about canceling the season at least fall football season that decision has been criticized because a lot of people think that hey maybe the pac-12 should have waited longer to to see what kind of advances are made when it comes to testing and obviously what's going on with the states in the footprint do, do you have any regrets about that, about the timing of that decision, and, and you know, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but but maybe yeah. you should have waited a little bit longer before making a, a decision.
2: Well, look, we could always be- you could always benefit by having a crystal ball. I've, I've never had one, so I don't really know how that would work. <laughs> uh, so I think all you could do is make the best decisions you can with the information that you have at the time. Uh, and then you only know afterward, when you look back, uh, whether history judges it as the right decision or the wrong decision. But I don't believe you can make a right decision or a wrong decision in the moment because facts change and factors change afterward. But I feel, So having said that, I feel highly confident we made an excellent decision at the time we made it to postpone, based on the information we had, uh, which uh, involved not having government approval to start <clears throat> uh, contact practice and training camp, uh, not having access to the kind of rapid result point of care testing uh, we feel that we needed to have. And combining that with the risk factors around heart and otherwise, um, the top 12 made the decision based on uh, its values and feeling a duty of care to student athletes and their families. Um, and we're not comfortable looking people in the eye and saying we feel comfortable with the risk and the uncertainties. Um, moreover, yeah, uh, uh, didn't have the approvals to move forward. Right. So I feel uh, uh, good about the way the decision was made the significance of what we announced yesterday uh you know is nothing short of a game changer for us because it basically gets us access to testing at least a couple of months earlier than we anticipated uh or medical experts anticipated this type of uh, testing would be available so that opens up uh, possibilities uh, for us that maybe we didn't think we have having said that and yeah you know, really we need to underscore this sitting here today six of our schools uh, the four California schools to Oregon schools do not have approval from their local counties and public health departments to have practice so until that changes uh, we couldn't play now if we wanted to so um, so we'd be in the same place. Um, our coaches, student athletes, their families—most all feel like uh, we made a good decision uh, with their health and safety in mind, uh, and in respect of you know government approvals and where we are. So, a long-winded way, a you know, long-winded answer, but uh, that's that's how we look at it.
0: When I know with professional sports in California, you know the they were given the go-ahead to, to, to start practices and everything, and obviously professional sports are much different from college campuses and, and handling all that. Uh, but with this with this development with rapid testing and getting them on campuses uh, later this month, is it possible that the PAC-12 or even the member institutions could present this to uh, the local governments and say, hey, we've, we've got these, uh, these protocols and also this rapid testing could you give us kind of an exemption or a waiver, so to speak, so that maybe we can start practices and, and larger gatherings?
2: This, this um, groundbreaking agreement for the access to this kind of testing daily uh, will allow for our schools to go back to their public health officials with a new updated, much more robust protocol uh, for testing that I think you know, should be warmly received. And, frankly, because they're not professionals and they're under the care of our universities, we feel a certain duty of responsibility morally and ethically that you might not uh, feel at the same level for pro athletes who are doing it to earn a living. Right. So I do understand our public health officials to some degree. I don't, can't pretend to understand all, all the factors that went into it. I do understand why they'd look at college athletes different from professional athletes because we have as well. <laughs> so I get it but this, um, you know, this will be a significant positive development that I am hopeful will, uh, you know, speed up uh, the move to, to approval.
0: Now you mentioned, you know, with this testing, uh, this rapid testing, it was something that maybe you guys weren't expecting for maybe two more months. And so in doing so, it gives you some hope. Of, of starting a season, is it uh, is it realistic that college football, the Pac-12, could be played starting in November at some point?
2: Well, Everything subject to government approvals, um, and if and when we could start, there would know, there would be no shortchanging uh, the safe uh, ramp up of acclimatization and training camp. Uh, to make sure that, you know, football student athletes were healthy and ready uh, to play at that level. So, um, you know, knowing when we're getting the availability, knowing when we're going to get the tests uh, and, 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 and the capability, uh, you know, by the end of the month, uh, subject to, we'll have to wait, you know, for government approvals, uh, discuss amongst our campuses and our working groups, it certainly opens up the possibility uh, that our football working group has not even had a chance to discuss this yet, because frankly, this, uh, while Quidel has been on our radar screen mm-hmm. for a while as, as a true leader in this point-of-care rapid testing, um, you know, up until us being able to pull together this, this deal, which came together very quickly at the end, along with a research partnership, which was really important to them. Uh, that our universities, you know, are involved in researching, you know, this rapid testing algorithm, or this daily rapid testing algorithm. Um, uh, you know, we have not had a chance to socialize and discuss this yet, so that work will start next week. Um, and, you know, we have been planning on early January. I think this now gives a lot more confidence that we can do that um, at a minimum. Um, whether we could start... Before then, the end of the year, uh again, we'll be waiting to see when we get government approvals, what's possible, what's not, and we'll have to do the work and look at all the pros and cons with our football working group. And ultimately yes. it goes without saying our presidents and chancellors sign off, no. right, we'll sign off on whatever we're gonna do.
1: The College Football Daily will be right back. This episode is brought to you by
0: Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. Now, if you were to have to play a football season uh, starting in January, I know that the, there, there's been a proposal out there that uh, maybe limiting that to, to eight games among the, the, I think, the old football oversight committee. I can't remember which committee. Um, would you feel comfortable being able to play, uh, say, an eight game season in, in the winter slash spring and then turning around and playing again in the fall in 2021?
2: Um. We'll leave, we're going to leave it to our medical advisors to guide us, uh, along with our coaches and others, on what the right number of games would be, yeah. depending on when you'd end the season. Um, so, yeah, I won't comment okay. on whether it's the right number or if it's something less, but um, uh, it's that's a top-of-mind consideration, for sure.
0: I know that you, you spoke yesterday about uh, there being a desire in, uh, amongst the Pac-12 and and the uh, Big Ten uh, to potentially try to do a similar start date or similar season so that it lines up so that you guys can have some maybe some type of postseason together. And, of course, the Rose Bowl immediately comes to mind. Um, would, would that be something that would influence you if the Big Ten is saying, hey, maybe we can get something together in November um, and to, to kind of get that going, to push the ball forward? toward a November start or would you just act on your own? Um, Obviously, I guess eliminating the government aspect of it, but when it comes to just looking at things from yourselves medically, do you you and the Big Ten just want to be on the same page with everything? And is that possible?
2: Well, it's definitely possible. Um, At the end of the day, each of our leagues will make independent decisions. (laughs) And, you know, we'll obviously have to work within the –
1: parameters
2: of the approvals that we have, or we don't, whether they're from government or campuses, et cetera. Uh, but if um, if it's possible, you know, I've made clear uh, that I think there are a lot of advantages uh, if we can move together, and in addition to playing for a Pac-12 championship, uh, to have a chance for exciting postseason opportunities uh, with the Big Ten, it would be something appealing to our student athletes. That's why I'm interested in it.
0: Do you think it's possible, I mean, this is, I mean, obviously with the ACC, Big 12, and SEC, if they are to move forward with their seasons as scheduled right now, the college football playoffs at least made it clear, hey, we're going to continue with that and have have the playoff on our regularly scheduled dates. Is there any possible way that you guys could start a season and kind of catch up to be able to maybe be involved in the playoff?
2: We haven't gotten that far. Uh, In our thinking, again, that's something our football working group will start looking at
0: yeah. next week. Um, are, are there concerns, just you know, just from a competitive standpoint, uh, you know, about hey, we're going to play a season, per, you know, but we don't know when—November or January—but we might not be part of the, you know, the big dance, so to speak, with the playoff.
2: Yeah, this is this is such a unique, unusual, and difficult year. Um, I. I think we are um, really trying to focus on health and safety. Yeah. Uh, first, seeing if we can play, um, having a meaningful, safe experience uh, for our student athletes and campuses, and doing the most we can. For them, I think it's weighed down on the list of priorities uh, in this unusual year. Uh, thinking about competitive equity with yeah. either. And normally that would be, of course, a big mm-hmm. consideration. But this is, um, you know, there there I guess more more pressing concerns this year.
0: Just as a leader and in, in being in the autonomy five, what are some things that those the Power Five conferences need to do uh, to unite, kind of going forward? Or, or do you have any concerns, particularly as we? Face maybe the aftershocks of this of this virus when it comes to staff sizes, scholarships, um, and, and, the, and obviously the financial fallout from this. What, what are some of your, your top concerns that you're really looking at?
2: Well, there's going to be significant uh, negative financial impact on athletics departments. Uh, you've seen a flurry of announcements over the last couple of weeks about universities having to lay people off for low staff uh cut costs um you know we've even had one school at our league stanford that cut 11 sports yeah uh a couple of months ago uh and they're not alone there's other schools across the country that've done it uh so i think the ripple effects from the financial crisis here uh, that's the result of of the healthcare crisis um are going to be significant i mean these are significant sums of money uh in every part of the country Uh, significant losses as a result of not being able to have fans um, in our stadia and maybe losing games for television. So how long the effects of that take to make up for um, is is hard to know, and how long this is going to be hard to know. What I hope for is that it doesn't result in uh, significant reductions in sports, and student athlete opportunities. I know it's core to the mission of our universities and that will be like a last resort, but um, that, that's the thing I'm probably most concerned about.
0: Okay, well Larry, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate the time and uh, chatting with me a couple of times this summer. I know of you're course. very busy with chatting so, so much with so many other people as well. So I appreciate the time.